We are the Revolution Fight and Fitness Podcast, Episode 1. My name is Tim Stafford. I'm the owner and head boxing coach and striking coach at Revolution Fight and Fitness. And tonight we're going to go over a little bit about who we are. Not every episode is going to be like this. I can promise you this is going to seem like a bit of a commercial, but it's cool. It's, it's awesome what we deliver. And also go over some of the fights from last night. So at Revolution Fight and Fitness, what we do is we are an MMA gym in a nutshell with a lot of uh, moving parts involved there. We offer boxing, Muay Thai, catch wrestling, jiu-jitsu, kids classes, combatives classes, and conditioning classes. We do just about everything. Uh, If you're looking for something that's going to get you in shape in a fun, different way, we're your place. There's no doubt. We'll start off with the boxing program. Uh, boxing program is run by myself, and we do a lot of interactive boxing. We don't put you on a bag and have you hit a bag for an hour, do some burpees in between, a couple push-ups, some sit-ups, and hit a bag and do burpees. And it's, it's more interactive. With everything that we do, for the most part, in our boxing program is partner-assisted. It's, we, we have everybody match up, and we try to do it by skill level, by size, and what's great about how we do it with our partner interaction is that everybody can help each other out. And that's what builds that team unity that we've been striving for. It's when you have somebody holding mitts for you, you get a feel on whether or not they're hitting properly. You can see them doing it. So everybody can be a little bit of a coach. Everybody can help each other out. We can't have a coach at every single person. So it's always good to have people help each other out, have them come up through the program, through the systems, a little bit easier, a little bit faster by having those people kind of keeping an eye on each other and helping each other. It's a great situation. It's a great thing that we do. The, it's no pressure. You don't have to be a fighter to take boxing. It is a conditioning class as well. You will not realize how bad a shape you're in until you start throwing punches. Uh, people come in, they say, well, I'm a runner. I can run distance marathons. Oh, that's fine. We're another level of cardio. It's, a, it's an add-on to whatever you're doing somewhere else. So, you know, it, it's low pressure. It, it, there's, no, there's no getting in a ring and having to spar anybody if you don't want to. We don't have any pressure situations. From time to time, we'll do something fun in a pressure situation. I'll take example, this past Saturday, we had George Comer um, and Logan Urban and Kayla Kennedy have a little competition. And we were working a very long combination. We were trying to see who could do it the best. And, you know, two pro MMA fighters and an amateur boxer, Kayla Kennedy, went after her, And Kayla made everybody look pretty stupid, which she has a tendency to do. She's, uh, she, she's such a hard worker and she, she's driven. So it was cool to see that. And we, we have situations like that. We'll put people on the spot every now and again. And we have fun with it. Nobody's, nobody's judging. Nobody really cares. It's all in good fun. And we, we have a great time doing it. Our Muay Thai program is run by Aaron Juice Faverka. Now, Juice, if you don't know Juice, imagine the human equivalent of somebody being shot out of a cannon. Juice is very high energy all the time. I don't remember a time where I ever saw Juice calm and quiet. Juice is an active guy. If you're interested in any sort of kickboxing, this thing is for you. If you're interested in competing in Muay Thai, 
this is for you. Juice is with the Thai Boxing Association. He is the highest ranked instructor in the state. He's an Arjan, and he has been doing this forever. Uh, him and I, I believe, we had our first fight together, and that was back in, I believe, 2000. It was, it's been a long trip with, uh, that him and I have been on, and we've been on it together, and it's been pretty cool to be able to watch each other kind of develop into the instructors and coaches that we've become. Juice has a great curriculum. Everything, again, is partner-assisted for the most part. Everything that we do, we like to form that team, that team unity, to be involved with one another, to interact with another person. It's important to do it that way. Not just get on a bag and just kick and just punch and just elbow and just knee. It's different. It's a different way to learn. It's, a, it's, it's more fun. It's more interactive, like I said. And it's just a great program that he has there. He also has Russ Huber. He is a instructor also. He is a crew, and he has gone through the Thai camps with Juice. I don't even know how many of them they've gone to. They've gone to a lot of these Thai camps and got their rankings there. Uh, Russ runs a Saturday program um, at, in Muay Thai, and he does a phenomenal job. Uh, Russ is a giant, so if you've ever wanted to meet a giant, uh, this is a good time to do it. Uh, he is, he's a big, big, big dude. He's a uh, drummer. He's also in a band called Mossum. I'll throw a shout out to them. They're a local band in Cleveland. They do a great job, two man band, and they, they put out a hell of a sound for just two guys. Uh, so if you're ever interested, uh, that's Mossum. Uh, you guys should check them out. A little shout out for them. And the best thing about that program, we have guys that come in and they just start doing it and we work them all the way through the program up into their first fight. We've done that uh, to one guy right now, Brian Miller. He's actually 2-0 and career-wise. He had his first boxing debut and he won. And he went into a tournament, a Muay Thai tournament up in Iowa. And he destroyed, crushed, brought home a belt uh, hanging in our gym right now. We're, uh, we're very fortunate and proud to have him with us. And and it's cool to see that, you know, to see a guy come in and then take him to these uh, events and for them to perform so dominantly. It, it's, it's really a real, real treat to uh, be able to do that. So if that's your interest, Muay Thai is a it's, it's kickboxing uh, with knees, with elbows, different footworks, different looks. There's a tradition behind Muay Thai that Juice knows all about. He teaches a lot of that. Uh, Wikru is a, is a, not a, it's not necessarily a dance, but it's a ritual before fights. He goes over those things. He will teach you in depth um, the sport of Muay Thai. He knows just about all of it. So if that's your interest, Juice is your man. And we have George Colmer. George Colmer is our catch wrestling and MMA head coach. He basically handles managing our MMA fighters also. He does a lot of work with promoters in order to get these guys fights. And then he also does the training to get these guys ready. And he, he's, he's a phenomenal guy. If you, if you don't know George, you're missing out. George is an incredible dude. He's one of the best guys I've ever met in my entire life. And the knowledge that he has on this sport is crazy. He was a collegiate wrestler. He was the captain of his team over at Mount Union. He is 
like I said, he's, he's just a great dude. I can't say enough about George. George is one of the reasons why we are still around. People love coming to George. People love working with George. George does catch wrestling. Catch wrestling is a type of jiu-jitsu. It's more of an American-style jiu-jitsu. It's not so much wait and be patient and wait for that that opening or wait for your opponent to make a, a, a mistake or wait for your opponent to loosen up on something in order to take advantage of it. Catch wrestling is catch as catch can. Grab it and rip it off. And... We find that this is a little bit more of a, a, a better style for our MMA fighters. Uh, not worrying about being so patient. Worrying about grabbing a hold of it and making, getting that submission. And getting it quick and, and doing the damage quickly, rapidly. Uh, so you don't end up in a bad situation because you're, you're waiting on something else to happen. He also does our MMA program. Our MMA program is more of a fighter development program. Anyone's welcome to, to join those sessions, but you know it, it, it will teach you how to do stuff on the ground, how to strike on the ground properly so you don't end up in a bad situation where you're striking on the ground and you end up in an armbar or a triangle and you know how, how to do those things properly when you're in the cage. And he, he does a phenomenal job at that. You know, he's, got, he's got so many guys that are with him that have had huge success in the cage. And, you know, it's it, a lot of that and is just contributed to the, the time and effort George puts in with these guys. And it's, it, they're a family, and it, it's an awesome thing to watch. George has A.J. Pulling that helps him out. A.J.'s a great guy. He's another pro MMA fighter. He's, uh, he, he's so knowledgeable of what he does. And the two of them together, just it, to watch those two work together is, is really cool because everybody's happy when they're in MMA getting punched and choked out. Everyone's doing it with a smile on their face. Everybody loves it. Everyone's having a good time, and it's, it's just so cool to see. George, uh, we all still give him a hard time because we don't understand why he's not fighting yet. Uh, George, if you're listening, go ahead and start getting ready. You need to fight again. We all know it. You know it. Um, but that's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, so w- when you come in, you'll know who George is. You'll, you'll, you'll know it right away. I, I promise you that. It, he's, 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 he's a character, and he, he's something else. And that's what he does there, and he, and he does so much more there. He, he helps me out with you know, getting people introduced with one another. He helps out with the boxing program. He helps out with the Muay Thai program. He helps out with the kids program. He helps out with everything. George is a utility player. There's no doubt about that. And we have Brett Snyder. He runs our Gi Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class. He has his own name. Neto Gomes is his gym, essentially. They work out of our gym. We work kind of as a team with them. They do the Gi. He does the Gi. He's a two-time world champion, three-degree black belt. He's a big dude. Brett, Brett's an Brett's a ex-Marine. He's a veteran like myself. So you know you're getting some sort of special training when you're training from a guy that you know has been out in the in the thick of it, and he's he's really he's a good dude. He he can be a little crass, but a lot of veterans can. You know, him and I start talking, and we we end up making people feel uncomfortable because a lot of people don't understand that military humor between one another. But he's he puts on a great program. He's so knowledgeable and so good at what he does. 
He has Marv Williams who helps him out with that program, and Marv does a fantastic job with that program. Also, Marv is, I think is knows just about every martial art there is. It seems Marv also runs our kids program. Our kids program just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and better. And a lot of people might be a little intimidated of taking their son or daughter into a MMA class because it sounds, you know, people there's a connotation, there's a there's a there's a stigma around it that, you know, you get in a cage and you get beat on. And that's not the case with the kids class, obviously. Marv puts these kids together by their skill levels. He puts them together by size and he controls the room. Not every kid's going to be able to progress the same way. And he separates them out there. He pinpoints the problems and he works on those problems with those kids. Whatever's not working for them, he works on it, whether it's kicks, whether it's punches, whether it's some of the ground stuff. And he has, he'll have four or five different groups of kids doing four or five different things. And he manages it well. He, the other day, I saw him have his back to a group of kids and they started messing around. And it was like he had this sixth sense and knew it and turned around and said, you know, hey, let's go. Got him back into focus, got back into form. Those kids went on like nothing ever happened. It, w- it was a great situation. Marv is a great dude. He's, he travels around. He works at, a, at several different gyms uh, teaching kids. It's his passion. It's, his, it, it's, it's, it's something that means so much to him. And that, that's an important trait to have in somebody, especially in a kid's class. And we have Alice Vidiello. She teaches a unique self-defense type class. It's based on military combatives. And if you don't know what military combatives are, essentially they are when your life is on the line, you walk away with your life. And that's the bottom line. It's really that simple. We've seen a lot of self-defense classes where they will put you in a situation where the bad guy's doing this, so this is how you get out of that situation. Well, the bad guy's doing this. This is how you get out of that situation. And that's great in practice. The reality of the situation is you're never going to be in a perfect spot that you've been training in order to use those tactics. These tactics that Alice teaches are military combatives. They are closest weapon, closest target. And if you don't know what that is, come out and check her class out because it will teach you how to get away from a dangerous situation quickly and efficiently. She also goes through situational awareness of, you know, I'll hear people ask her, well, what if somebody grabs me from behind? Alice will ask them this question. How did you get into a situation where you had the bad guy right behind you, close enough where he could grab you? Situational awareness, knowing that there's somebody following you, keeping an eye on that person, knowing where your safest place to go, where your exit points are, how to get away quickly, as opposed to waiting until it's engaged and it's on and you have to be in a bad situation. It's an interesting class. She also throws a lot of like core work, some exercises, some fitness into it also, so you'll get a good workout, so it's pretty cool. So basically, those are the programs that we have at Revolution Fight and Fitness. We have several pro fighters up there, We have pro MMA guys, we have pro boxers, we have amateur MMA, we have amateur boxers. And those people train right alongside of the the single mom who just comes in because she wants to do something different. She doesn't want to just sit on a treadmill and pound that treadmill for an hour. You come in with us, you're going to get, one, you're going to get more of a workout. Two, you're going to have a lot more fun. Three, you're actually going to learn something. And that's what we're about. 
that's those are the things those that that kind of keeps us tethered to where our initial mission statement was that we just want a place where everyone can come learn something have fun in a drama-free stress-free environment and that's what revolution fight and fitness is all about so let's get into these fights from last night they were they were pretty cool that uh, i'll tell you man the joshua ruiz heavyweight title was on the line um, I watched a couple of fights before that. Uh, fortunately, I didn't get to watch all of the undercard, but it was a pretty impressive night of fights. And the first one that I was able to watch was Hunter and Provokin. And it was a close fight. It was it was an exciting fight. I love watching heavyweights. These guys, you know, even these light shots, these guys land on each other. You can feel it through the TV. The heavyweights are fun to watch sometimes. Sometimes they're really boring to watch. But man, sometimes when these guys, they really go at it and they start throwing... They're fun to watch. And what I what I found interesting about that Hunter Provoking fight was a lot of the commentators, it was very split, um, it seemed, that some of them thought Hunter won it. Some of them thought Provoking won it. And it was a situation where a lot of people don't understand the way boxing fights are judged. You know, boxing fights are not judged as fights. They're judged as rounds. And those rounds are fights within the fight. And every single round is a different animal. And when one round is done, you know, these judges have to eat that saltine cracker and cleanse their palate and or whatever analogy you want to put in there that the last round didn't even happen. And it's a whole new round. Um, some of these guys, you know, it, it, you, they sit around that ring and they sit so close and they can see this action so closely. And one judge sitting at one side of the ring could see something that another judge doesn't. And it makes an impact on the way these rounds are judged and the way these rounds are scored. A lot of it has to do with style sometimes, too, these toss-up rounds. You know, I'm a huge Pacquiao fan. If I were to put my myself in the judge's shoes and I'm judging a Pacquiao fight and it's a toss-up round, I'm probably going to give that round to Pacquiao because I like his style. I like the way he moves. I like the things he does. They could, you know, Pacquiao could land one punch. His opponent could land one punch. Chances are I'm going to give that fight to Pacquiao. And I'm sure that stuff happens constantly. So, you know, it's one of those things where if, you know, Pacquiao's opponent, his fan is a judge, he's going to judge it a different way. He's going to see it as his opponent won. So, you know, it's interesting to see these, you know, those, these toss-up rounds. You know, this is a great lesson for fighters that you don't let rounds be toss-ups. You know, win those rounds decisively. You know, take those opportunities. You hear that that clapper with 10 seconds left, and you think it's a toss-up round, get busy. Start throwing. Start throwing anything. Make it look like you're the aggressor. Make it look like you're the guy that's that's in charge of the fight. And I don't think that either one of those guys did a whole lot of that in that fight. And it was a split draw, which uh, was a little bit disappointing. I always like to see a winner. I felt Hunter probably had that fight, but, you know, a provoking fan probably saw it differently. So, uh, that, you know, that's an interesting way to see it. The one thing that I took away from that fight that I found very interesting, though, was a commentator mentioned the stadium. The stadium, the fights were all in Saudi Arabia. Uh, they were, it, it was raining in Saudi Arabia, too, which I found kind of interesting because I didn't really think that rain was a common thing in Saudi Arabia. And to happen just at that moment when these fights were happening, I thought was interesting. I thought that was kind of funny. But the stadium 
was a 15,000 capacity stadium, outdoor venue, was built in two months. Two months. Wrap your head around that. 15,000 seats were installed and everything around it was built in two months. In America, that's called an impossibility. That thing would cost so much money, it, it, it would be an impossibility to happen. And for them to be able to pull something like that off, I think that's pretty impressive. I, I tip my hats off to them and those workers. I mean, that that's crazy to be able to put something together like that. That that That's very impressive. The uh, the next fight I watched was uh, Panchenko and Sied. And I if I said his name wrong, I apologize to anybody that might get mad at me for that. But the one thing that I took away from this fight, and one thing, because it was a quick fight, the one thing I took away from this fight was Panchenko. This dude is on my radar. He is going to be a big deal. He, for, for lots of reasons. Uh, reason number one, he's 18 years old and 8-0. That's insane to me. 18 years old, 8 wins, 0 losses. That's crazy. He came out, he hit this guy with a 2 about 10 seconds into the first round, and I saw his besides opponent, besides eyes roll in the back of his head and his knees buckle. And I thought to myself, this is not going to end well. And then about seven or eight seconds later, he threw a light jab and stuck him with that two again. And he stumbled across the ring. And Panchenko came across the ring, stayed right on him, and threw that two right down the pipe again and knocked him out cold. He was done. Out. It was over. They didn't even count. They just, it was done. And... What I really, really found impressive about Panchenko was at 18 years old, this kid walked over to his corner. He did not raise his arms. He did not celebrate. He kept his eyes on his opponent to make sure that he was okay. And once he was up and he was in his corner, in his seat, responsive, then he looked like he won the fight. And for, to be 18 years old and to have that kind of composure, to be 18 years old fly from Los Angeles to Saudi Arabia, fight the fight before the main event, and to have the kind of composure not to lose your mind, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. That, that was so impressive to me. And he is, he's going to be something special. Keep an eye out on him. His name's Panchenko. He's, he, he's going to be a big deal. He's going to be the next big thing, I think. And the Ruiz Joshua, the main event, um, it was a smart fight. It was a calculated fight on Joshua's part. And unfortunately, sometimes those are the most boring fights, which it was. It was not, a, it was not an exhilarating fight. It was not an exciting fight. I only think I might have said, ooh, about once or twice through the whole thing. Uh, the shots weren't huge. I, I, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was a calculated fight. It was a very strategic fight. Joshua did a good job staying outside of range. He didn't do that in his first fight. He let Ruiz get close to him, and Joshua's got an eight-inch reach advantage. Eight inches. Put your fingers out about eight inches. That's a lot of reach. That's a lot of reach, man. Literally, if you're standing six inches further away from him, Ruiz can't punch you, but you can punch him. And what I found kind of interesting about that, the commentators were talking about how 94% of the fight was fought at long distance, and they seemed a little bit surprised at that. And I'm thinking, why would you let Ruiz, who is a unbelievably fast for his size, 
and incredibly strong, why would you put him inside on you to let him punch you? That just didn't make any sense to me. So when he fought long range, that was the key. That was the that was the game plan, and they followed it to a T, and they did a great job with that. You know, they didn't do that in the first fight, and I think that cost Joshua quite a bit. Um, you know, Joshua stayed on the outside. Ruiz did a great job controlling the center of the ring, which I, I instill in my fighters. I think that's a big deal to always be in the center of the ring, always controlling that ring. It looks like you have control. But the way Joshua moved was phenomenal. And I think that Ruiz didn't cut the ring off on him, which impacted his frustration quite a bit. And Ruiz came in 16 pounds heavy in that fight. And I think that that had a lot to do with it. When you come in that heavy, you're not as fast. And and Joshua didn't lift this time. He didn't look as big and bulky and muscular and gigantic as he usually does. He was much slimmer. And I think that that helped his footwork and his speed and his agility quite a bit. And I think that that really served him well in that fight, without a doubt. What bothered me a little bit, as far as Ruiz goes also, was you know, every time he'd throw a punch, Joshua's head would go down to Ruiz's left side. Ruiz, Ruiz did not throw one lead uppercut. And that could have changed the game for him a little bit more. You know, when he felt safe going down to that side all the time, getting away from his two, it, you know, and there was no consequence to it ever. Um, you know, Ruiz needed to keep him upright a little bit more. He needed to keep him a little bit more vertical. So he could work that body a little bit more, keep him a little higher, keep those arms up. And Ruiz would tuck down. I'm sorry, Joshua would tuck down to Ruiz's left, and he didn't capitalize on that that lead uppercut that I thought was there for a majority, if not all, of the whole night. And, you know, it was a shame that, you know, Ruiz went down that way. You know, he, like I said, 16 pounds heavier. You know, he won that title six months ago. Nobody thought he would do it. He did it. He shocked the world. And I think that he got himself championship belly. You know, he got comfortable. He thought that this was going to be easy again. And it wasn't. And not by a long shot. Um, the, you know, the, the ending of it with the interviews afterwards really bothered me. Uh, because they were talking about Wilder and Fury and how, you know, Joshua is the heavyweight champion. And, and you know, they just talked him up. And I understand you got to talk the guy up who's got the contract with the channel that the thing is on and blah, blah, blah. But facts are facts. Wilder's power wrecks Joshua's suspect chin. Fury's speed and fidget. He, Fury fights, he's, he's very fidgety when he fights. Those things, I don't think Joshua can, can handle. I don't think that Joshua can can adapt to those kind of that that style. And I think that either Wilder or Fury wrecked Joshua within six rounds. And it, it, it you know, facts are facts. These these are the, this is what is going to end up happening if these guys ever get in a ring together, any of them. Um Wilder and Fury fight on February 22nd. I'm hoping because Wilder and Fury's last fight was a draw, I'm hoping that Wilder Fury the winner fights Joshua next. I'd love to see that fight. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Joshua wants to fight either one of those guys because I think that, you know, the writing's on the wall for him. He, they know. They know he can't handle either one of those guys. I'm excited to see the Fury-Wilder fight without a doubt. I'm a Wilder fan. I love watching his power. He's a sloppy boxer. He's wild. And, but he gets the job done. You know, Wilder's last fight against Ortiz, he hit Ortiz with a two. He hit him dry. And what I mean by that is 
When he hit him with that too, and you watch it in slow motion, I think that Wilder knocked every bit of sweat off of Ortiz's body. It was crazy to watch. So when he hit him, he he literally hit him dry. <laughs> and I thought that that was really cool. It was it was a beautiful shot. And, you know, I see him Wilder, him getting a little tighter, him getting a little more straight with his punches. And I think that's going to serve him well in the future. Um, so, you know, great night of fights, and I can't wait for the, for the ones that are coming up. So what we have coming up in the Rev here in the near future is this coming Saturday, we've got a Christmas party. Our Christmas party last year was awesome. We had like 30, 40 people there for our first Christmas party. It was a lot of fun. We did dodgeball. We did some sand volleyball. We just had a, a lot of fun. We, we've got a bar like in the next room um, at NEO Sports Complex. It's uh, right by the sand volleyball courts. Uh, and we're going to have food. And we don't have anyone in fight camp, which is rare and odd. But we don't have anyone in fight camp. So everyone's going to be able to indulge a little bit. And have some fun and loosen up and get to know each other a little bit on a on a less sweaty basis. Um, we've got laser tag this year. We're gonna have like laser tag guns and laser tag competitions. It's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be so much fun. I can't wait. I'm so looking forward to that. And I am not a Christmas party kind of guy, but these parties are special. And you know, if you're listening and you're not a member of Rev, come up anyway. Have fun. Bring your kids. It's a family atmosphere. It's going to be a blast. Everybody has such a good time. Um, you know, George is insane. He's our master of ceremonies always. He always comes up with some crazy stuff. Um, so, you know, you, you never know what you're going to get when you come to one of these things. And it's just, it's just really such a good time. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's funny. And I just want to mention that I appreciate everybody so much as a member of the gym because everybody brings something to the table. Every single person, one way or another, even if it's just you make someone laugh, it, it's so cool. It, it's just such a great atmosphere. We absolutely love it. And um, come up and check us out and check out the the, the crew. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time. Also coming up on our schedule here on March twenty eighth, uh, we've got Nikolai Gianti back in the cage. Finally, hopefully. Uh, he fights at 125 pounds, which is a tough weight. Uh, we've he's got. I think he probably holds a record of people that have pulled out on him, um, which is discouraging a lot of the times. Uh, Nikolai rolls with the punches quite a bit though, and he he knows it's a thing, so he he's ready. He went out west. He went to train out there, uh, cross train, brought a lot of good stuff back. Uh, it's it's always good to, that we have our guys just kind of travel all over and gather information. Because nobody knows every everything, and if you think you know everything, you first of all you're wrong, <laughs> and second of all you're probably not a great teacher if you don't think you can learn anything more. So that's coming up. He's going to be fighting at the MGM at Northfield in Cleveland, and he's going to put on a hell of a show. You know, it's funny to me always when Nikolai he kind of jokes around that he doesn't have any hands. You know, he's he's won his boxing fights, he's won his Muay Thai fights, um, so he does have hands. To see him sparring with Montana Love, who's a, a pro boxer, um, you know he he does get whipped on because it's a different sport, but you know he learns so much and he and he gets that extra experience and it, it's phenomenal to to have uh, 
to have that situation. So he'll be putting on a show and getting that win on March 28th. Um, right after that, May 16th, um, I'm actually fighting, and it's for an amateur title. And, you know, unfortunately, I came up on the short end of the stick last time I fought, but... Um, you know, I, I wasn't happy with my conditioning. I wasn't happy with the way I trained. I really didn't put the time in and it's because of my schedule. And it's one of those things that I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to do what I got to do. This is not going to end the same way it ended last time. There's no way it's going to be, it's going to be a show and it's going to be a, it's going to be a clinic. I plan on putting on a, a boxing clinic that night. I have no doubt about that. I've got a lot of people behind me supporting me. Um, my, you know, my pro MMA fighters are telling me that, you know, this is your time. We're going to help train you this time. You're going to get the win this time. And, and that's the cool thing about the Rev is that atmosphere of everybody wanting to help everybody, regardless of who you are, what you have to bring to the table. Everyone's willing to help everybody. And that's what's so cool. And, you know, like I said, I just feel so fortunate to be a part of it all. Thank everyone for listening, and I really appreciate uh, the support. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to recap probably the Christmas party. It's going to be such a good time, and I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of good stories to tell. So, you know, watch what y'all do, because I do plan on calling you out literally to the world. Um, Although it's probably going to be me that I'm calling out, because I usually do something stupid um, one way or another. But it's going to be a blast. So we'll recap that. Also looking to get some interviews done. Um, you know, we're going to have interviews. We're going to talk to our members. We're going to talk to our pro MMA fighters, our amateur MMA fighters, about all kinds of things, you know, where they are in their careers, uh, where their downfalls were, how they learn from those downfalls, you know. Um, those are the most important things to learn about is, is, you know, when you fail, how do you pick yourself back up? And how you get to where you want to be in life. And that's phenomenal. You know, Patrick, our, our brand ambassador, I can't wait to get him on an interview. And I'll tell you what, that's going to be a fun one. Because he, he he's a kooky kind of guy. And, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate to have him with us and doing what he does. And we just, uh, uh, it, it's going to be interesting. So stay tuned. I appreciate listening. Thank you. This is The Rev. LFG.